0: All right, Proverbs 24 tonight, Proverbs 24, we have been and will continue to do a series on the family, and I don't have any particular book or anything that I'm going through, I'm just, um, some of these I have done before, this one I have not, um, but I want to start with this, um, this passage, and I think it'll be just kind of a springboard for us, we don't have tons of verses to look at tonight, but a few. And um, so this, is, this will be very much a mix of, of practical and spiritual tonight. Um, it's, it's very practical, but it's all based very much in, in spiritual things and in our spiritual life. Um, and I think you'll understand what I'm saying as we get into it. But uh, the, 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 the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 3, Through wisdom is in house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. But the main thing there is verse 3 and 4. It's talking about how we build and establish our house. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. In our family, growing up, um, I think my my parents intentionally tried to help us feel happy at home. Um, We're we're trying to do that now with our own kids, and I know that a lot of you would say the same thing. But over the years, my parents used all kinds of different things. Uh, My dad would kind of get on a little kick with something, and we'd do it for for a long time, get good at it, and then move on to something else. and And so we had a foosball table that we played for for I don't know how how long, but we played foosball and. And we got to a place where we, you know, every night, Dad, you want to play foosball? And it, you know, it's funny because that kind of overruled everything. You know, if my mom told us that it was that we had to do homework or we had to clear the table or do the dishes or whatever else, if dad wanted to play foosball, that was that was it. You know, we played foosball and we loved it when he did that, you know. Um, we had a dartboard for quite a while, and we had a we had a wooden door that kind of went out to the garage. And there was a giant circle in the middle of that door with no holes in it. And the whole rest of the door was covered in holes from the darts, you know. Um, it's just, but, but you know, uh, family nights and games that he made up and, and, and on and on. And not that my mom didn't do that. My mom was more into the board games and all that kind of stuff. And we never liked playing her because she won every game that, that we ever played, you know. It was like, especially if it had anything to do with words. But, uh, you know, we, we try to do those things with our family. And, um, you know, we, we add, you know, going out and doing things here and there and, you know, giving something to them to look forward to. But our ultimate goal is for family life to be fun, for it to be memorable, and for our home to be a place where our kids want to be. And not just now, but, but in the future, you know, as they, as they get older and as they have their own families and so on. When I was in high school, I remember coming to the specific conclusion and I'm not sure if I actually said it out loud. I, I, I don't think I probably did. But I remember thinking very specifically um, that I would so much rather be at home than at any of my friends' houses. And I, and I like being with my friends and, you know, uh, spending time with my friends and stuff like that. But I wanted my friends to be at my house, you know. Uh, I didn't like spending the night other places. I wanted to be home, you know. And um, it, I think that's what we're trying to create in our own homes, and I think that's what we should be trying to create in our own homes. Just imagine if your kids enjoyed being at home more than anywhere else, you know? That's what we want to create. Uh, Andy, uh, um, Charles Stanley has been a, a, a well-known speaker for years, and now his son, Andy Stanley, is, is um, a well-known preacher, and a lot of the things that they do and, and teach and things like that I'm not necessarily on the same page with, but he said something that I thought was, that I thought was pretty good. Andy Stanley said this. He said... We want to raise kids who one day want to spend time with us even when they no longer have to. Amen. They're, they're stuck with us now, you know. They have to spend time with us. Uh, but like you said, we want to raise kids who one day want to spend time with us even when they no longer have to. What a great goal. But that does not happen by accident. Right. Uh, how do we make our homes irresistible to our kids both now and later? I came across a list in a post that I was reading that I thought was very good. So I want to share that list with you tonight and add some things to it that talk about making your home irresistible to your kids. Making your home irresistible to your kids. Let's pray, and then we'll look at some of these things tonight. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for the time we can spend together. I thank you for the principles that we have in the Word of God. And I pray that you'd help us as we look at these things, that you'd give us wisdom in knowing what to do with our families that will help us to be what you want us to be. Help us to raise kids that that are pleasing to you, and uh, that go on to honor you as well as their parents. I pray that you would uh, help us as we go through these things tonight. Well, thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing is this: make your home a place of fun. The greatest memories that your children should have should surround your home and the time that they spend there. Um, Now, certainly, there's there's always time to go out and do things and enjoy things, but you know you don't want their greatest memories to be always when they're with their friends or always when they're, you know, uh, doing this or doing that. You know, you, I, I want that to be true of our family. I want the greatest memories that they make to be memories that, that surround the home and the time that they spend at home. And I'm guessing that you want that to be true of your family as well. Family, uh, family life should be fun. Laughter should be normal, you know. Um, good memories should be made. But how do you make that happen? Sometimes that can happen through entertainment. I, you know, obviously, if you're sitting around watching a, you know, a, a cartoon movie or whatever else, and you can enjoy that or maybe even, uh, I hes- hesitate to say this, but maybe even playing video games or something like that, you know, in moderation. We don't have any of those kind of things because I think it's not profitable. Uh, and, and even if you had a game that was decent, I, I think it's just not profitable. But, but most of your children's memories will probably be made playing outside or playing games in the house or doing those kind of things and, and, you know, wrestling around on the floor. I've told you about the games that we used to play when we were growing up, and and, and I give credit to my dad. I mean, he was the one that did most of the playing with us. Uh, My mom did too, but, um, you know, my dad, we had, uh, and and it was, it got to the point where I'm sure he got sick of us asking, Dad, can we play the run-across game? Dad, can we play the interception game? Dad, can we play foosball? Dad, can we go play darts, you know? But he did that. And I'm telling you, you know, I'm looking back on these things now, and those are the things that I remember, you know. We did a lot of fun things together as a family. And, I mean, it it doesn't, you know, I I mean, I suppose they spent a little bit of money on a foosball table, a little bit of money on a dartboard, but, you know, uh, that's not, it's not like you have to go out and spend, uh, you know, $500 or whatever these Nintendo sets cost nowadays and whatever this, you know iPad costs and this, you know, all of these things, and, and that's what people think, you know, well, my kids are going to have a great Christmas this year, because I went out and spent $2,000 on every one of them. By the way, do you know that that's what the, the average of what a family spends, uh, roughly per child, $2,000 per child? Not in our house. No, not in our house either, but that's what it is in America, it's crazy, but... Um, I forget what they said, but I, looked at, I read this last year, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was somewhere around $7,000 that the average family spends on Christmas. For everybody, you know, their, their family, their kids, their extended family, their boss and all this. Yeah, exactly, but, but that's what the average family spends, $7,000 a year. But that's what I'm saying. Look, we had a little Nerf soccer ball or a little, it wasn't even Nerf, it was like, it had cotton inside of it, and I mean, we played so many games with that ball, and I think we probably went through a few of them, because, you know, once you start getting older, you start whipping the ball harder, and the little cover rips out, and all the stuffing comes out of it, and you got to get a new ball, but, you know, what is it, a couple dollars, you know, but my dad made up these games that we used to play, and it was just, I mean, we had fun doing that, and so, you know, uh, the more you make your home a fun place to be, the more your children will associate home with enjoyment. And that's what we want them to do. If all you ever do is play video games or allow them to play video games or watch TV or play you know, uh, uh, with your phone, then that's, that's not fun. And yeah, you, you might be there, but you're not making memories. You're not having fun with your children. There's nothing special about home at that point. Make your home a fun place for your children. But secondly, make your home a place of peace. Turn over to 1 Samuel 25. The world is not a peaceful place, but your home should be. 1 Samuel 25, and and these are just, again, these are just kind of principle-type verses, but I believe that God wants our homes to be places of peace. Look what he says in 1 Samuel 25, and verse number 6. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. Now you don't have to turn over there, but in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 5, he says basically the same thing. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. There's a lot of other passages that talk about that. God gives us his peace, right? When he was getting ready to go back to heaven, he said, My peace I give unto you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, right? But he he wants to give us that peace. And of course, that peace comes through knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Um, But it's pretty obvious that God wants our homes to be places of peace. He said that when you enter the house, say, peace be unto this house, you know? Uh, When your kids come through the doors of your home, they should know that that's a place where they can find peace and where they can find comfort despite anything that's happened that day. I know that most of our kids are younger right now, and so it's not like they, you know, they come back in from a long, hard day necessarily, but they're going to they're gonna run into those, and especially as they get older. No home is perfect, but your home ought to be the closest thing to heaven on earth that your kids know about. And that's what we're trying to create, you know? And that requires that as parents, we choose to do things that, 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 um, that create that peace you know, choosing not to argue in front of the children, you know, choosing not to do things that, that would upset that peace at home. Uh, become a peacemaker, you know, like the Bible says in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what, I mean, that's, that's, that all goes hand in hand. And, you know, I mean, obviously it doesn't mean that you should never let your kids wrestle around on the ground or be rough with each other or whatever else, but it means that, you know, they shouldn't be running around screaming at each other at the top of their lungs. You know, they should be fighting with each other constantly. Don't allow that to happen, you know. Um, There shouldn't be slamming of doors and yelling. There ought to be consequences if that's the case. But that requires that the parents model that behavior in the home. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. But if you have the peace of God in your heart, then that will translate into everything that you do in your home and everywhere else. But it's hard for you to tell your kids not to fight and argue when you're doing the same thing with your spouse, right? It's hard for you to tell your kids not to slam the doors when they're mad when you're doing the same thing at home, right? Uh, we have to be modeling those things. We have to model those behaviors of peace at home. Uh, your home should be a place of peace. Here's another one that I don't necessarily agree with, um, but she did some good things. Mother Teresa, she said this, what can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. Look, if every home had peace, there would be peace in the world. Everything, maybe I can't say everything, but most things start with the home. And when the home gets all twisted around and when the home gets all messed up, then everything else gets messed up too. Because look, if you had good homes, you'd have solid churches. If you had solid churches, you'd have a solid country, you know? And, and so everything starts and ends with the home, and, and when the home is not right, then nothing can be right, and, and peace, your, your home ought to be a place of peace. Here's number three, make your home a welcoming place for friends, and you'll see what I mean in just a second, but relationships matter, relationships matter. The right relationships can kind of be a springboard to, to maybe some success for your children, and, and the wrong relationships can definitely be a setback for your kids in their life because who they hang out with is what they're going to become, That's right. and what they become certainly says a lot about where they're going, and, and you know, whether they're successful or not, and, and of course, the world uh, paints a different picture of success than we do, you know. We're talking about success, about them growing up and living for God, and, and a lot of times what happens is you, your kids end up with the wrong friends. Maybe it's some friends that they make in the neighborhood or some friends that, you know, uh, are not the greatest at school or whatever else, and, it could be something that sets them back and, and, and keeps them from becoming successful for Jesus Christ. So we ought to get to know our kids' friends and make them feel comfortable in our homes by, by you know, providing that place for them to hang out. We live out in the country, so you know, it's not like kids are walking down to our house all the time, but you, know, you live in neighborhoods and things like that, and you're going to have some of those kids that are, that are coming to play in the yard and stuff like that. But uh, I, think it's, I think it's very beneficial to have you know, food and toys and games and activities and things like that for your kids and and their friends, and that can be a helpful advantage, and I'll tell you why. Two reasons. I want to to make my home um, a, a place where kids like to come, because that's where I want my kids to be anyway. And let me explain that in two different ways. I love to be around my kids, and I want them to love to be around me. And so if my kids' friends are coming over to our house, then number one, I get to be with my kids, right? I get to be spending time with them. They get to be spending time with me. Just like the conclusion that I came to when I was a teenager. You know, I'd rather be home than anywhere else. And I want my kids to feel the same way. I want them to rather be home than anywhere else. Um, but but I, I, wanted, you know, I wanted my friends to see how fun our home was. You know, I love doing all the stuff that we did with my dad, and I wanted my friends to come over and play the interception game with us, you know? I wanted my friends to come over and do the, the foosball and the darts and all of that kind of stuff. I wanted them to come to my house and do those things because I loved my house, and I wanted them to see how good our house was, you know? Um, in fact, one year, I think, I think it was on my 12th, my 12th birthday, um my dad used to sweep parking lots that was he had he had several different businesses over the years but one of them the ones that he had was he he used to have one of those parking lot sweepers and he would go out in the middle of the night and sweep parking lots and one of the places that he did uh was a huge like a strip mall and in the middle of that strip mall was a big it was called discovery zone and it was basically like a giant indoor play place and they had a huge ball pit you remember the ones that they used to have at mcdonald's you know Uh, They had a huge ball pit in there, but every so often they would get rid of all of the balls and replace them with brand new ones. So one day my dad was sweeping the parking lot and there was just bags and bags and bags of these plastic balls out there back by the the, uh, dumpster. So he brought them all home and we filled up, I think we had two swimming pools filled with those balls, you know. And so then, you know, again, everything, you know, my dad just trying to be fun, used to do all kinds of stuff. So we had a trampoline. And actually, we had two trampolines because somebody gave us another one. So two of those big ones, we would bounce back and forth and and they also this discovery zone also got rid of these giant mats. I mean, they were big square mats. And so we used to jump off the trampoline onto these mats and all kinds of stuff and so my dad started this game. He would he would get a baseball uh, baseball bat, and he would hit those balls to us, and, and you know, we'd have to try to jump and catch them. Well, we were playing. I had, I had some of my friends over for my 12th birthday, and a news reporter went by the, by the house, and we lived out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere, so I don't, I don't have no idea why they were out there, but they saw us out there on the trampoline, and my dad hitting the balls and everything, so we stopped, and he started taking a bunch of pictures and everything else, and we made it to the front page of the, of the, of the local newspaper, you know, um but that's you know I, I say all that to say that I wanted my friends to be at my house because I knew how much fun it was to be at home you know and so that's that's the the one meaning that I'm talking about that I I like to be around my kids I want them to be around me uh, but the second part of that is you know I I want my kids friends to like coming over because they're not gonna be allowed to go to that many people's houses you know I don't know what they're doing at home I know what we're doing in our house and I know what I'm trying to teach them in our home. And not that they could never go to somebody's house, but I, I don't know what, they're, what they do over there. You know, I'd like to think that everybody lives perfectly, but, you know, I don't know what they're going to have on TV. I don't know what they're going to, you know, what kind of video games they're going to be playing. I don't know what they're going to be doing. And, 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 you know, I hope that, that they know better than, than to sit around and watch something that they shouldn't watch. But if, if, if they're going over to somebody's house and everybody's doing it, they're probably going to sit there and do it. And I don't want that. So, hey, Everybody's welcome to come over to my house. At least I can regulate what's going on. I can, I can see what they're doing. I, I know what my kids are watching because, you know, uh, it's very little, but I, I can see what they're doing when, when they're at my house, you know? And, um, you know, well, you're sheltering them too much. They're going to see it and hear it eventually anyway. And, and that may be true, but while I have the influence over them, I'm going to use that opportunity and keep them as sheltered from the filth of the world as Amen. I can keep them. Amen. Um, they're going to see enough of it That's right. eventually. As they get older, they're going to see enough of it. Why would, I, why would I purposely allow them to be in a position where they're going to see more than what they need to see right now? Amen. Amen. I'm going to keep them as sheltered as I can as long as I can. And that doesn't mean you know you hide your kids under a rock and, and you know they don't know anything about the world or anything like that, but... Uh, if I can protect them from the filth of the world for just a while longer, it'll give us longer time to help their desire for righteousness grow and their hatred for filth grow as well. And it might just be that little bit of time that they need to get over that hump of hating the world and loving righteousness. Amen. And if I'm feeding them all these things because, well, they're going to see it anyway. You know, they're going to they're hear somebody cussing at Walmart. What's the difference if they hear it at Walmart or if they hear it on the TV? Well, I can't control what I hear at Walmart, but I can control what's on the TV, right? I can control what I allow into my home. I can't control what happens when we go out into these other places. But if I can control it, then why not control it, you know? They're going to hear enough of it anyway. They're going to be involved in that stuff anyway just by being in the world. Why not keep it as clean as I can, you know, for as long as I can? Make your home a place of fun. Make your home a place of peace, make your home a place, uh, a, a welcoming place for friends, but also make your home a place of safety and security. Home is supposed to be a child's safe place. By the way, I would say the same thing is true of church. Right. We talked about that, uh, you know, several months ago, but uh, this ought to be a place, and, and, and again, you know, where there is not, all, you know, all the stuff that you hear about in the Catholic church and you know, all these pastors that, that fall into sin and all the molestation that happens in churches and stuff like that. This ought to be a place where they can come and nobody has to worry about any of those kind of Amen. things. Amen. And we're going to try to keep it that way. But, it's you know, home ought to be a place where a child feels secure. Children's senses of safety and security come from knowing that they're loved. But they also get a sense of security from boundaries and rules being clearly explained and enforced. Um... Alex played his first basketball game yesterday. Cool. And uh, I told Brian and Josh that he looked like a deer in New York City. I mean, he had no idea what he was doing, where he was supposed to be, what was going on, you know. I told him that, you know, that that, that would just be a matter of time before he starts to get the rules and gets the confidence that he's going to need, and he'll be playing basketball just like all the rest of the other kids, just like Jackson plays now, you know, in a, in a short amount of time. But, But if you think about you know could, could you imagine how confusing it would be for alex trying to learn the rules if you know one time he you know one kid ran way out of bounds with the ball and it was never called but then the next time he ran out of bounds and it was called you know or or he goes up for a shot and gets fouled and no call is made and then he bumps into somebody else and a call is made try to learn what a foul is when there's no set rules right try to learn what what the out of bounds are when there's no rules. You know, one time you can dribble around behind the backboard and the next time you can't. Well, what's the rule? You're never going to learn the rules if they're not strictly enforced, right? And if they're not clearly explained. And the same thing is true with with our children, you know? Uh, When we make rules in our homes, number one, there ought to be rules that are established, but number two, they ought to be clearly defined and they ought to be enforced. And, you know... Alex would never enjoy playing basketball if he never figured the rules out, you know? I I didn't, I mean, he said he enjoyed playing yesterday, but, you know, I I don't know how you could when you're just standing there looking around at what's going on, you know? And if, if that's all he ever did, then basketball would never be enjoyable. But when you have clearly defined rules, and when those rules are enforced, then you can have fun because you know what you can do and you know what you can't do. And kids at home are the exact same way. It's not fun when one time you can do this and get away with it, and the next time you can do it and you don't. Well, can I do that or can I not do it, right? Kids want boundaries. They're not, they would never say this out loud, but they want boundaries, and they want those boundaries to be enforced, and they wanna know what they can do and what they can't do. And you're doing your, your kids a huge disservice when number one, you have no boundaries, Number two, those boundaries are not clearly defined. And number three, when they are defined, they're not enforced. You know? Um, it's, it's, just like, uh, it's, it's just like an electric fence, I guess. You know, like, like a fence that... Uh, there's another business that my dad did, invisible fence for the dogs. You know, they wear that collar. And uh, a, dog, a dog is never going to learn where the boundary is if one day he goes walking up to the boundary and, and he gets a shock. And the next day, he goes walking up to the boundary, and he doesn't get anything, and he can go, and he can run out in the street and play and everything else. I mean, that's how a dog gets hurt, right? But you know what he's going to be constantly doing? He's going to be constantly testing that boundary. Well, maybe this is the time when it's not working. Oh, no, all right, it's working. And not this time, let me test it again. Oh, it's not working this time. I can, go, I can go run out in the neighborhood and play around for a while, right? And that's the same thing that happens with kids. You have kids that, that are rebellious against their parents, and one of the reasons is because of a lack of consistency at home, you know? Because one time they're gonna get in trouble for this, but they're gonna constantly be pushing that boundary to see if, well, maybe this is the time that I'm not gonna get in trouble for it. And if, and if this is the time, then, well, I am gonna make the most of it, you know? And so what I'm saying is, your home has to be a place of safety and security. And yes, you know, that they feel protected from harm and danger and everything else, but, but also from the unseen dangers and from the, from the spiritual dangers. And that comes when we set boundaries. Um, you know, so, so don't shy away from being the bad guy when it's necessary. You know. Uh, your kids may not like it in a moment, but they'll love it, and you, in the long run. Um, but also, don't hesitate to lavish your kids with love and affection. I think what happens in an attempt to raise, this happens with boys a lot more, I think, but in an attempt to raise manly boys, a lot of times homes are devoid of affection. Well, I can't show affection to them because then they'll grow up and be sissies, you know? Well, I can't, I can't show any signs of weakness or they're going to grow up and, you know, think that that's the way. But, but that only helps tear down their sense of security. That's right. Your kids need to know that they're loved and they need to be told that and they need to be shown that they're loved. So make your home a place of fun. Make your home a place of peace. Make your home a welcoming place for friends. Make your home a place of safety and security. And lastly, make your home a place of unconditional love. Turn over to Luke chapter 15. By the way, uh, this just reminded me because um, I actually have the first book now is done, uh, and I'm combining two of them together, so they're not ready yet, but hopefully by the new year. But uh, the memorization book of all the verses. Um the first book is done but what I'm going to do at the end of the second book is I'm going to put an appendix in there and have all of the chapter content. So uh like the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1 has this and this in it. Matthew 2 has this and this in it. And it'll help us to to learn where to find things in the Bible. But Luke chapter 15, if you know anything about Luke chapter 15 is is what? Any idea? Lost things, right? The lost sheep, the lost coin the lost son, um, and Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son, uh, and, I, and I'm, we're going to look at this briefly, but your home should be a place that your children know that they can always come no matter what happens to them, no matter what they do, um, there's nothing wrong with them knowing that you'll be disappointed, but they should believe in their hearts that there's nothing that they can do that would keep them from being welcome at home. Um, look at the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15 and verse number 17. And, and of course, we're skipping the first part of that. But verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, and here he is in the middle of a slop pen, having wasted everything that his dad gave him on riotous living. And we can only imagine what that means. But here he is, you know, feeding hogs to the point where he wanted to eat what the hogs were eating because he was so hungry. We had hogs growing up. The stuff we dumped in their pen, I wouldn't even think about eating, let alone actually eat it. Uh, But he was so hungry and so desperate that he was thinking about eating what the hogs were eating. When he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He realized that even though his father was going to be disappointed with him, he could come back home and that his father would accept him. That's why he said, he didn't say, I don't even know where to go. I can't go back home. Dad's not going to accept me, right? He wasn't wrong. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I think this is the greatest key of all to making your home irresistible. When your children know that they can come back home, no matter what they do, they'll always want to come back home. I hope they never make mistakes that put them in that position. But if they do, they ought to know that they can come back home. Um, I really believe that a lot of children are lost to the world because they had parents who were so godly that they alienated themselves from their children because they didn't want their kids back home unless they were right with God. First of all, I think it has a lot to do with pride on the part of the parents. As long as you're going to be an embarrassment to me, I don't want you around here where you can be seen. You know, they're not. They wouldn't say that, but that's. I think that's a lot of a, a lot of what it is. You know, but there's also the teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter five that, that tells us we shouldn't associate with someone that calls himself a brother in Christ and then goes out and lives his life in a, you know, and, and there's a whole list of things that is talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter five. But um, you know, basically, a Christian who says that he's a Christian and then doesn't live like one, we're not supposed to associate with that person. But I think that goes directly against exactly the principles that you see in Luke chapter 15 to say that that applies to a family member. You know, where else are they going to go? Who else are they going to turn to? You know, the principles in the Bible are there. That if, if, if somebody who is considered a brother in Christ falls into sin and is not repentant and everything else, that you shouldn't have anything to do with them. Don't eat with them. The Bible says, you know, don't even, don't associate with them. Uh, such and one know not to eat is what he says. But, but that doesn't apply to our families because they're actually family. They're not just brothers in Christ. You know, they're, they're family. And they need to know that if they're ready to eat, at least start making those steps back toward Christ, they have to go somewhere. And I want them to come home. I want them to be here if they're going to start making those steps back toward Christ. You know, just like that prodigal son. His first step was back home. And his father did it right. And look, the, the prodigal son came back home begging for forgiveness. Right? You know why that was? Because he knew he was welcome at home. He knew he could go back home. Um, and, 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 you know, if your child's living a, a, a lifestyle of sin away from Jesus Christ, you can't pretend that everything's fine. It's not fine. Um, but you, you can't just accept their sin and allow them to, you know, bring it into your home. I mean, if they're going to come and, uh, well, I'm, I'm still living in sin, so I'm bringing my beer over to the Christmas party, you know. No, you're not bringing your beer over to the Christmas party. You're welcome at home as long as you're going to fit within our rules when you're home. Uh, but they have to know that you love them and that they can always come back home. It says in Colossians chapter 3, and again, this applies to many other things, not just home, but... Verse number 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Boy, if he's talking about us doing this with other Christians, how much more should we be willing to do with our own family. And isn't that what Jesus Christ does with us? Right? When we get away from him, does he say, oh, no, you come back when you're completely right. You come back when, you, when everything is in order and you got your life back together. Does he do that? No, he accepts us. And he helps us on that road to getting back to where he wants us to be. And he loves us still. And he has that long suffering toward us. And he has all of those things that we should have toward our family. Each of these five things is is important, but, but none of those none of them are instant things. I mean, these are things that literally are going to take us a lifetime of doing, you know? You can't go out and play one game in the yard and think that, well, all right, made my house a, a, a place of fun, you know? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I spanked my kids, so now my home is a place of safety and security, you know? I mean, none of these things, you know, I had the friends over once, so now, you know... No, these are all things that literally have to be developed over, over a lifetime, You know, over the course of all the time that your kids are home uh, and living in your house. And, and ensuring that our kids are happy at home and that our home is irresistible to our kids is something that takes intentionality on the part of the parents. We have to be intentional about doing these things because they're not going to happen by accident you have to set out a plan to make it happen. You have to do things to make sure that that, they're gonna be, uh, that your home is going to be that way. So let's focus on making our homes a place of fun. Make our homes a place of peace. Make our homes a welcoming place for friends. Make our homes a place of safety and security. And make our homes a place of unconditional love. If we can do that, there's probably a lot of other things that we could say, but, but I think everything kind of hinges on those things. And if we can make our homes a place like that, it's going to make our homes a place that the kids want to be now, and a place that they'll always want to come back to later. And the greatest compliment that I think our kids could give us about our homes is for them to say, I want my home to be exactly like my home was growing up. If they say that, then we've succeeded. But that takes... A lifetime of preparing. A lifetime of planning. Intentionally setting out to be that way. Look, I I guess it's a compliment to my parents, but I want my home to be what my home was growing up. We enjoyed it. We had a great time. We loved being at home. And that's what I want my kids to to have too. I want them to to want the same thing that we have. So let's do what we can to make our homes a place that our kids want to be. Let's do everything that we can to make our homes irresistible to our kids. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the time that we can spend together as a church family, but then as individual families as well. God, we want kids that grow up to live for you. And all of these things are things that are going to help make that happen. And so I pray that you would give us the wisdom as parents that you'd give us the wisdom as a church. Everybody that's in this building tonight is helping to raise the next generation. Whether they have kids in this church or not, we're all working together to see the next generation grow up and live for you. So we all need wisdom as we do that. I pray that you give it to us. And I pray for all those that are not here tonight because they're sick and, and you know who they are and what their needs are. And so I pray that you would just heal them, help them to get well. Bring us all back safely here on Sunday. We thank you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.